Hello, my name is Michael Garrick, and this is Popping Culture Movie Reviews. My guest today is a comedian, trainer, and veteran, uh, Robert Taylor. Thank you so much for coming on to the movie review. Go ahead, be here. Uh, the movie that we're going to be reviewing is Hollywood Shuffle. Uh, you chose the movie. Uh, is there any special reason why you chose it? Or Yeah, uh, yeah. because um, it was... It was one of the first movies that I saw that actually got me curious about comedy, okay. the, the the workings of comedy. And uh, also, too, it was probably the first socially irreverent movie I saw, you know, of my generation or whatever. And I, and I, and I thought maybe you hadn't seen it, no, no, because, no. it because it was – over 35 years old pretty no, much no. I, this was um, two days ago was my first time ever watching it and I, honestly the first time I, when I was first watching it I was like okay Robert told me to watch this movie <laughs> that was my first thought I was like okay but I I truly enjoyed it like I truly truly enjoyed the movie um, this will be a spoiler review um, be- <laughs> before before we spoil the movie, um, would you tell them to watch it? Uh, yeah, man. I could. Uh, you know, you see a lot of these uh, stand-up comedians, or even not just stand-ups, but um, maybe improv comedians. The, the big names of the day: Dave Chappelle, um, Martin Lawrence. These guys like that. Everything they did, like the Dave Chappelle show, is, is known to be a groundbreaker. But I got news for you. You can ask Dave Chappelle where his influences were. And he'll go back and say, In Living Color. And people say, Oh man, In Living Color was the groundbreaker. But they don't understand. In Living Color wasn't a groundbreaker. It was almost an offshoot of Hollywood Shuffle. Yes, very it, much. Because if you watch Hollywood Shuffle, you're going to be sitting there saying, Holy cow. Not only is it some of the same cast with the weigh ins, but it's the same format, it's the same. Not exactly, because I think um, In Living Color was a little more risque and a little more on the edge. But you can see where it all came from. And uh, just as a side note, um, if you like stand-up comedy and of that generation, Eddie Murphy, the same guy that directed this movie, directed Eddie Murphy Raw. Yes. You know? That that blew my mind to learn that, too. A lot, a lot about this movie blew my mind. Um but just like him, I would agree. You should definitely watch the movie. is 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 great. Like it's it's definitely. I, I wouldn't. It's not the greatest movie all time, but it's definitely something that you should see. Um, from this point on, we'll be spoiling the movie. Um, uh, Robert Townsend directs this movie. Um, Robert Townsend directed The Temptations, I believe. Uh, he directed a few uh, TV shows I've seen. Yeah, and he. Directed um, a Disney Channel movie called Up, Up, and Away, but we won't talk about that. Uh, yeah. Long story short, uh, I know who Robert Townsend is. I I like him as an actor. I like him as a director. But seeing him, like, just be so blunt in this movie, like, you know, it has a message, and it's just, like, here. Everyone say shoving it right into your face, but it's definitely, like, I want you to know my point of view. And that's why I say it's groundbreaking, because up until that point, there was nothing like that. You know, uh, the closest thing 
was probably Saturday Night Live, but I got news for you. It didn't address race no. the same way that he did. When they had Eddie Murphy and stuff like that on there, Eddie Murphy would address race. The other guys wouldn't. This movie addresses the whole concept of how African-Americans and minorities in general were treated in Hollywood up until that point, you know, basically stereotyped in certain roles and stuff like that. And like I said, if you go back and watch it now, you'll understand that a lot of these guys now who are multimillionaires and these famous superstars, African-Americans, they owe it yeah, to, Robert to Robert Townsend because he broke the, he broke the glass ceiling. Yeah, he gave so many actors now that you see now. He just gave so many like talented actors opportunities. Um, and the sketches, I never felt like a sketch went too long, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I felt all of them were the right amount of time. Um, each one carried a strong impact. Each one was funny. And like I said, each one carried a message. Um, did you have a favorite sketch or favorite sketches? Um. Yeah, uh, my favorite one was where I can't remember the name of the movie that he was doing where he played Jimmy, and uh, and Jimmy's uh, the guy that his partner that got killed. Yes, sir. And he goes out and does a long. His the name of his gang is the Afros, mm -hmm. and he's doing this long drug out. You know, Afros. You know, they killed Jimmy, but it's like it's like the most blatant racist stereotype you could ever do of an african-american and it's right in your face man and you can't i mean i wasn't uncomfortable because i'll be honest with you man the whole time i was in the marine corps i never had a white roommate okay. i never i had all african-american or mexican roommates okay so i got to hang out with them in their own culture away from stuff like that so i felt comfortable and i knew i knew how white people were looked at in general you know by most people and uh so it didn't shock me as much, but I mean, that was one of my favorite ones. And actually, the opening of the movie where he's rehearsing that scene with his little brother yeah. in the bathroom yeah. and his grandmother uh, walks in on him because she didn't want him doing that kind of film, the, the stereotype film. Yeah, she, she's, she, she's famous for she's been, seven. She Even before that, okay. I think she was on Sanford and Son for, uh, she played a recurring role on Sanford and so. Son. Yes, sir, you're right. She looked at, she didn't play Aunt Esther, but she looked like her a little bit. But she played another role on there. Um, there were, yeah, and a couple of those older guys were yeah. in, in, in shows. But, yeah, I'd say uh, that was probably my favorite scene because, as he said, uh, going back to what uh, you had said earlier. About Helen Martin is her name. I'm sorry. Oh, the, the yeah. grandma? Mm, just bringing up the cast list. That's oh, all. yeah. Um, talking about stories being based on true i mean movies being based on true stories or whatever like that this story is it's not his life story but it's loosely based yeah. on his life of trying to be an actor in hollywood and how he couldn't get roles and people actually said he would actually get turned down for roles because they said he wasn't black enough yeah. to get the roles which is ironic Right, and so he does that scene where he gets to roll, and it's like if you if you had a scale of being stereotypical Hollywood black from zero to a hundred, he was like two hundred on the scale yes. of doing it. You know, so it was like yes. I think yeah, that was my favorite scene. Um, one to go with what you said about the type of black um, that the skit about um, Eddie Murphy type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that really was um, eye opening. Of course, if they were to redo that sketch now that we go with somebody else but um just to see like 
I can remember like seeing not not as good movies, but seeing other movies where I was like, wow, this really is like Beverly Hero Cops. Like I can't think of the movies because they weren't good yeah. movies, but I could I could like see, you know, studios doing that. Just be it's, like, it's called the formula. Yes, they it, they would do that with everything with Rambo movies, with Rocky, with whatever the whatever the thing was in pop culture, the 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 popular female or male actor comedian it was eddie murphy yeah. right so everybody had to be had to do eddie murphy movies you're 100 right because um i think um it's a formula yeah and we're going to bounce back to the movie but i think you're 100 right about the formula because i remember reading that sylvester Stallone and um arnold schwarzenegger they had uh, so many cheesy spinoffs but man. they would bump heads when it came to box bought the box office mm-hmm. to the point that like, bruce willis he was one too. He started doing the Die Hard movies, mm-hmm. and then some of those other ones. They had, like, they just couldn't release their movies the same week. Yeah, they would have to be like at least a month apart because their movies. They cannibalize big. each other because yeah. they had the same audience. Yes. Yeah. So, um, but then they finally start working again on the Spinnables. But yeah. But like, what? But that skit you're talking about, where he was when they told him in the um, the uh, audition, we're looking for the Eddie Murphy type. He had the mannerisms down. Eddie Murphy mannerisms down. On point. Um, yeah. Yeah. On point. Um, another sketch that really stuck out to me was, um, and the only thing I was thinking was Idris Elba. Oh, yeah. Was that sketch about the acting school of a black actor. Yeah, where they were doing the slaves escaping yeah. the plantation. And then, like, he cuts to, like, the British accent. British accent. And I was like, oh, that's Idris, that's Idris Elba. Yeah. That's it right there. Yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. We'll teach you how to. You know, and I was like, wow, okay. How to jive talk yeah. and what I forgot what the walk was. They were yeah. But they had white instructors teaching the black actors. Yes. Yeah. And th- but that was another. If you took every like every scene or skit in that movie and stopped and, and isolated each scene. Yes, sir. Like that one, for instance. It, it, everyone has a theme that he was trying a point that he was trying to make. And that was more than one of them. One was that these are the only roles we can get as slaves. Da, da, da. But now they got white people teaching us how to be black people. Yes, and it was the things like that 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 were they were uh, they weren't overt. You had to be paying attention to it. And a lot of people, it wasn't a big commercially successful movie. No, not at all. And it, but it wasn't because it wasn't a good movie. It was because it went almost straight to video, videotape, VHS. Really, I think okay. that I think it cost like around a million dollars to make. And they made like five million. It was successful, okay. and it was the critics liked it. He got he got really good reviews from the critics, but it didn't make a, you know, it wasn't some box office. And, and it was probably because I think it came out like '87 when those Rambo and all that. Um, I think that was when like Dirty Dancing and all that. Mm-hmm. So it probably came out when a lot of those big blockbusters came out. Mm-hmm. But so when most people that probably saw it, they were they had no idea. That there was actually an underlying theme, or there were uh, he had an objective making that movie. Yeah, it was like an Oliver Stone making Platoon. He had a he was trying to tell a story about the Vietnam War. It wasn't he wasn't trying to make a, a combat movie. He was trying to make a story about the Vietnam War, and that was the same thing Robert Townsend was trying to make about that was how blacks weren't treated right and equally in Hollywood and the whole system or the Hollywood system and stuff like that. But you could ask most people now. They probably saw it, and they wouldn't even. They they probably still couldn't tell you that. They just saw it as a funny. It's like in Living Color. If you watch in Living Color, there's a lot of that underlying tones. In yeah, there's a color. lot of messages. Yes, yeah. Sir. Um, 
I can't say for you, but as I'm a little bit younger than you, so I got to see a lot of people younger in this movie. Yeah, it blew my mind to see a younger Paul Mooney. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say see a skinny Damon Wayans. He was like this big yes. around, man. That too. But Paul, but Paul Mooney, yeah. See a younger Paul Mooney, and, and it, even at that time, Paul Mooney was a big. He was a big deal hey. because he came up with. He was one of the originals at the Comedy Store with Richard Pryor. He helped right. He was like that with Richard Pryor. He helped write for Richard Pryor and the Richard Pryor show, and he was he. But that was that was how he was able to make that movie, because you know we talked about before. Robert Townsend used his credit cards to finance. He got I think he got a hundred thousand dollars from the studio, and he used his credit cards to make that movie. So what he had to do was get a lot of his friends yep. in comedy to do cameos for free, you know, or maybe something on the back end. I don't know like that. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to make that movie. You know, I mean, Eddie Murphy wasn't in the movie. Yeah, you know, I noticed, you know, what I'm saying? I noticed, I, yeah, yeah. That, that it was one of those things where like, but you know I why expected it he wasn't coming. in there too though? No, he was established with the studios, and that movie could have gone either way. That's what they were. Robert Townsend did interviews later, and Keenan Ivory Wayans talked about that's why they couldn't get the movie made by the studios because it was so on the edge, and it could have gone either way where people could have said, oh, not, and and for you to be a bankable star like Eddie Murphy to do that, it could have killed your career. That movie could have killed your career if it had, because you got to look at what the whole movie's about. The whole movie's bashing the studio system. Okay, true. You know, mm-hmm. so he may have helped. Un, he may have helped unknowingly or unacknowledged. But there, that that's why you don't see any major bankable stars in that movie, especially African American stars, because they could lose their jobs. True. Because John Witherspoon definitely wasn't the same. I mean, John Witherspoon definitely had a big standing in the um, comedy community at the time. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't a movie star at all at that point. Mm-hmm. So to see him, like, you know, gradually get his, you know, his acting into movies. Because, you know, not, I can't say any of, the movie, any of the acting in the movie is amazing. It's a sketch movie, so it doesn't have to be. Yeah. But it was never... But that wasn't the point of it. It was, like, great performance. It was just about being funny. And I think they nailed that greatly. Um, how do you feel about the editing in the movie? Uh, man, when you watch it, you you almost think somebody was actually you could probably done a better job filming or whatever with your cell phone these days because they're so advanced or whatever like that. But um, I'd be I I never looked it up. I'd be interested to see how long it took them to shoot that movie. You know, because they were on limited time because they they could only get access to locations. You know, like when they weren't being used. It's not like big Hollywood shuts down something for. They couldn't do that because he didn't have the money. Yeah, they did, it, it definitely seemed like they didn't want this movie. I to mean, work. you know, like when they had the limousine mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They were probably used. They probably borrowed somebody's limousine. Yeah. Or some or somebody might have actually worked for a limousine service that that took drove the car home and they used it one day or something well, like that. They might have just went to a funeral home and be like, "Look, can we yeah. use this?" Yeah. yeah, yeah. But as far as the editing, though, I mean. I bet they didn't edit that much out of there. No. I would like to see the outtake stuff. Yeah, that would yeah. be that would be like a I feel like that That'd would be a whole nother movie, right? That's there. what I was about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um It it was just like I said, I can only go off my experience. Um This is his first movie, Robert Townsend. Yeah. Um as it as is as it was his first movie, do you feel like that 
was what helped him get to the next level? Or do you think this movie was the reason why it took him maybe a little bit longer to get to the next level? No, I think it gave him credibility to show that he could he could do it because he did other stuff after that. Oh, yeah, wait. Yeah. But also, too, even though he wasn't directly involved or whatever like that, that credibility that he had it was not just him because uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans helped produce the movie, too. Yes. Right? No, that's not true. Keenan Ivory Wayans helped write the movie. Robert Townsend produced and directed the movie by itself. Okay. But the credibility that they both had from that movie, from the job they did, I guarantee you that played a huge part in being able to get in living color. That and the fact that Fox was a new network and they were looking, looking for something edgy. Exactly. That Sunday night lineup. Was Keenan on SNL at that time or he had already got fired? Uh, he wasn't on there long at all if, if he was on there. I don't remember Keenan Ivory Williams ever being – he might have been a writer. I'm, well, maybe he was a I, I just remember him talking about it. He was on for like maybe three episodes and he, he just oh, knew. Well, maybe, maybe he, he probably wasn't one of the – he was probably like a um, – not one of the primetime – players or whatever like that he said he, he knew it was gonna get fired like he said he just felt there was a, there's been a few people like that they were on there for like one or two episodes and they yeah and they turned out to be bet really better at whatever they did um yeah i don't but that's saturday night live hasn't always worked out for people either oh. like in, in the long run yeah, yeah. yes yes Yes, we we won't go down that tunnel. No, yeah, way. yeah, it's definitely been a few. Where you'd be like, Man. you know what, too though, you'll often hear people. They will often try to compare. They'll say, "Oh yeah, it was talking about um, in living color." I know we're talking about uh, no, it's Hollywood fine. Shovel, but for me, they're interrelated. But you'll hear people talking about, oh, yeah, In Living Color, man. They, yeah, that was like Saturday Night Live. They were like, that. But they weren't because Saturday Night Live was mainstream and it was geared towards mainstream. And there was, believe it or not, when that first came on, man, like especially like the second or third year I was in college, that was a big deal. We'd stay up on Saturday night. You had cable. You could watch it on with rabbit ears. That was a big deal. We'd wait for that to come up because it was cutting edge. But the thing about it was, there was stuff they wouldn't put on Saturday Night Live because they were afraid it would fend the sponsors that were sponsoring the show on the network. Of course, or I mean, that. yeah, without the sponsors, there's no show. I tell you what, I don't remember very much that wasn't on In Living Color that didn't offend somebody. True. You know? But Fox, to their credit, Fox took risk because they were the new network. I mean, literally, the network was like a year or two old. That Sunday night lineup, they had 21 Jump Street followed by In Living Color with Married with Children. And Married with Children was, it was one of the raciest shows on TV. Yes, sir. To not use four-letter words. Yes. You know, and people just flocked to that thing, man. And Tracy Ullman Show, that was another good one, too. Mm -hmm. um, but, so, in it was a, the perfect storm for In Living Color to get that opportunity on that network at that time. But I, going back to what you were saying was, do I think... Uh, Hollywood Shuffle helped or hurt Robert Townsend. I think it helped him because he had nowhere to go. But up, he was already down. True. He wasn't getting he wasn't getting shots anyway. True. True. You know. He always got tough breaks. I noticed, like um, with this movie, like you say, he had a hard release window. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Same thing with Temptations. We yeah. love the Temptations. Well, I don't know if you love it. I love no, Temptations. No, I don't know. Uh, what was that other movie too? The, the Five Heartbeats or something mm-hmm. like that? Wait, maybe he directed Five Heartbeats then. I, thought yeah, I know he directed that one. Okay, maybe. But I'm he might have done Temptations too. I don't okay, know. Okay, I may mix. It's the Five Heartbeats, yeah. guys. I apologize. If he did Temptations, that's great, but it was definitely the Five Heartbeats. I apologize. Uh, it was the Five Heartbeats. I'm so sorry. Uh, he got screwed over the Five Heartbeats because, like, uh, two other movies that were yeah. released, so he could never like he he made his budget back, but he never could like make that great amount of money that he wanted to make. That that's what's happened with a lot of movies that are cult classics now. Yeah. When they came out, they came out the wrong weekend, man, and they were just buried. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's a lot like Caddyshack. Yeah. Caddyshack wasn't some. It came out. At, it was a. It was a good movie, and it was. But it, it's way more popular now than it was when it first came out. I think the the only twist of that is, um, man, I cannot remember. It was just in my head. The movie is Big Daddy. If you don't know, it's an Adam Sandler movie. It was yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was not supposed to be successful. This movie was yeah. not meant to be successful. Long story short, they had to postpone the date on whatever big movie was supposed to be out. It was some blockbuster movie. They had to postpone it to like two, like a month later. But it was supposed to come out with Big Daddy. And I think even Adam Sandler said, if that movie had came out, Big Daddy would not have been big. And what saved a lot of movies too was video. Yes. A lot of movies came out and they were way successful on video. Yes. And it's because of when they came out on video, they weren't competing against Gladiator or, you know, something like that. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the only thing about uh, Robert Townsend was he was the first, and there's, there was a saying in the Marine Corps, but the first man through the wall always gets bloody, right? Damn. And he was the first. That's a saying. So he paid the price. That's a hard saying. He, right? Well, it's true, though. That's true. Right? Because he took the hits. Because I got news for you. I, you know all the studios weren't happy about the message he was sending, and he paid the price. But then all those other guys, that's why I said, you got all these other guys that went on to have all this success with their sketch shows and stuff on TV because they were allowed to do it. He took the hit. He definitely deserves his flowers. Yeah. He took the hit. There's, you see that in all kind of different um, uh, things in culture, like medicine, politics. Whoever the first person was took the hit. Civil rights. Yeah, 100%. Civil rights leaders, like the first guys you may have never heard of. You heard of Martin Luther King. He wasn't the first. True. There was guys before him. True, yeah. We don't know who said it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Rose Park was yeah. the first person to sell You're exactly that right. But you don't know who they are. No. But the first people through the wall, the first guy through the wall always gets bloody. True. Everyone else comes behind him. So maybe that was um, that was probably part of the deal too was they're like, yeah, that, you got yours. But, you know, there was probably a lot of blacklisting. Yeah. Well, he's still alive. Um, no, he's... He's and he's he's highly respected. As, yeah, he's highly well, respected as he as he deserves. To be yeah, there. exactly. And he was respected then because the people, the people within the industry, knew who he was, and knew what he could do. But once again, it's like being on a sports team. You know, all the guys on the team that play with you know how good you are. The people on the other teams may not. Owners and fans, they just think they do. But the people who are around you all the time really know. And he, uh, I mean, I don't, you'd have to ask him, you know, how he feels about it. Or So, uh, what I meant to ask, you always said this was the first, but would you agree that Richard Pryor show was the first? No, because 
he didn't get to do what he wanted to do. True. Yeah. They freaking censored every almost everything yeah. he wanted to do. That's true. That's very and, true. And they cut it short. He only went six episodes. Like six episodes. Yes, sir. If b- believe me, if it had been able to, st- if they had let him do, but they couldn't because he was on primetime network TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, he what he wanted to do was going to be. It's like the, I don't know if you've ever saw it. But the opening he wanted to do, where he had the naked suit on, he wasn't really naked, but it made him look naked. And and the opening of the show was, he he was basically saying, I, I can't remember how he worded it. it was like, uh, I gave him everything or something. Like, and he was supposed to be naked. He wasn't. It, it looked like he made him look naked. He just couldn't see his his pubic region or anything. Like that, but it was a suit, and they, that was the last straw, man. They like, uh, and I think part of it too was. Uh, he didn't. He didn't like st- structure. He didn't like the structure of having to show up. Not to mention he was strung out on cocaine. The whole time. <laughs> it wasn't just him. It was the whole crew or whatever. But he didn't like. He was a superstar. He didn't like the structure of being told, "I got you. Got to be here every day." It's hard work making a television series. Of course, yeah, yeah. And the hours and it was cutting into his free time and stuff like that. And I think he. I think I remember saying reading. He was actually trying to get fired from the show because he was, for him, it was diminishing returns. Yeah. I mean, he was making money anyway. Exactly. And it was cutting into his time. But as far as, if you take the show away, just say in general, uh, for mainstream or whatever like that, you know, you see all these guys now, it's like, oh, you, if you ask a lot of the guys we know, especially younger guys, yeah, who's your favorite comics and stuff like that? You know, I've heard all these people like that you know too. I say the younger ones. When I say younger, I'm saying like under thirty and stuff like that. Okay. I've never heard one of them say Richard Pryor. Never. Dave Chappelle. I've said Richard Pryor. Such, I have never heard it. Like the ones I've heard, though, I've never heard one of them say Richard Pryor. Okay. And because they don't know the history, it's like if you like sports, if you like, you should know the history of what what you're doing, what you're passionate about. Because you can learn from the history. Oh yeah, you can learn from the people that messed even if up you too. Learn from, even I was going to say, even if you learn what not to do. Oh yeah. But going back to that, he definitely he was the one who broke the glass. Exactly. But you know what? He got bloody too. Very much. Richard Pryor early on. Go look at Richard Pryor on the Ed Sullivan show or some of the stuff where he's got the tie and the short haircut. You remember the old videos of George Carlin with the tie? Yeah. And he looked like... I've seen it. He he looked like the black version of George Carlin Mm -hmm. doing the exact same, trying to play the game for the studios and the the man running everything. But once once he broke loose from that, that's when he started becoming Richard Pryor that everyone knows. Yeah, because when I saw it, I, it's on YouTube, um, guys, if you want to see it. I just saw it, and I was just like, this isn't funny. Like, exactly. I was just like, who? George yeah. Carlin was the same. But then in the late 60s, he started doing the counterculture stuff, and he took off, man. He All of a sudden, you, he went from, you see him with the short hair, clean shaven, the tie, the jacket, stuff like that. A year later, he's got hair down to here. He's wearing like the beads he's got the whole thing on like he just left and he's Woodstock. doing the, the seven words you can't say on on tv yeah that's his routine he couldn't even be on the l sullivan show anymore exactly yeah you know? he definitely went from being goofy to being very deep and he always was but he couldn't do it within the confines of the, the medium that he was doing it was the same with richard Pryor. yeah he was on he grew up in that in that era where everybody all they wanted to do was get their own 
Dick Van Dyke show or yeah. TV comedy like that sitcom, and you made it. Yes. That's that's the way those guys from the '80s did. Same guy, the same guys that came up in the '80s. That was a big thing. Get your sitcom and you're loaded. Yes. But you lost a lot of good comedians. I don't mean literally. Of course. Yeah. But I mean you lost a lot of good stand-ups to comedy because they did. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He made all those movies and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Eddie came back last year. I got news for you. He's nowhere near as good as what he used to be because he stopped doing it. I'm sure he would probably tell you the same thing. It's like. I think he did talk about that. He would have to like work yeah. rooms. He would have to keep you can't, working you rooms. You can't not do it for 30 years and then just. I'm not saying he can't be good or whatever. I'm just saying it's a whole thing. Of, it's a whole mindset of what you do every day. You're thinking about, you know, the one thing that made him so good as a stand up and when he was on Saturday Night Live is he was hungry. He was, was 19, hungry. yeah. He was hungry. He might have still been living with his parents in New Jersey for half the time. He was hungry. But once he became a, almost a billionaire, he wasn't hungry anymore. Yeah. He wasn't hungry anymore. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because... Uh, and we'll get back to uh, the movie review. I apologize, guys. We took a good detour. <laughs> I told you I, told you I wanted. We took a good detour. But I didn't. it never clicked to me how rich, rich uh, Eddie Murphy was until he came on the Ellen DeGeneres show... Uh, this is before we knew what Ellen was doing. And we, uh, he said with a straight face, uh, he has 10 kids. Yeah. And when he said. I think he's got one on the way. When he said he had 10 kids, my girlfriend has one kid. Love, love, love three year old, love him though. But I can't imagine now more of them and me trying like, I'd work every day. Well, he doesn't have eat. to. He doesn't have to. That's the thing. But I think he actually wanted to be, be like, the, have the family life. And that took him away from because if you notice, he hadn't made a lot of movies either lately. Yeah, to quote to quote Eddie Murphy, he said, "If you what he said on SNL, he said thirty years ago, if you would say that I would be a family man and Bill Cosby would be in prison, yeah, 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 I wouldn't take that bet. Yeah, 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 because Bill Cosby said some things, but to him too, yeah, um, yeah, but like, I mean, there's a lot, of, you know, Arsenio Hall. Where's he?" Yeah, he just did a special three years ago. It's, it's pretty good. It's on Netflix. It's yeah, but I mean, how long was he not doing anything? He had the number one talk show, well, probably next to Johnny Carson in the early 90s. But, I mean, you do comedy, I do comedy. Isn't the goal to have disappear money? No, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Was all those guys, that was their goal, to get a talk show or a TV sick. They thought that was the ultimate. Once you got there, you made it. But I guarantee you right now, if you name your favorite the people that you are your favorite stand-up comics, probably none of them ended up that route. True. The ones I can think of didn't. True. Well, not that's not true. They're still doing both. Okay. Like like Richie, Ricky Gervais, Louis C.K. Well, Louis not. Now Louis, <laughs> Louis not Louis not doing, it, but Nick. he's not doing it because he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. He's doing it because he. He can't do it right now. All right, next. But he was doing both, and he was doing both of them really well. Okay. And Ricky Gervais was doing both really well. You can't do them now because of COVID or whatever that. But there's other guys like, I mean, think of the top. Dave Chappelle was doing it. He didn't want to do it anymore. He didn't want to do it. He he got. He said, be careful what you ask for because you might get it. He yeah. got it. Yeah. And then what did he say when he got it? He didn't like it. Yeah. And all that, like you said, all that trails back to this movie, Hollywood Shuffle. And... Literally, just just watching it and just watching, like, this was just true 
like influence like this influenced so many different shows so many different sketches like I, I saw a few sketches that reminded me of Dave Chappelle's sketches. It's Sean. Yeah. I saw a few sketches that remind me of Key and Peele's sketches. Um, yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah. Um, it just really shows that like the pure influence this movie had uh, stretches on and hopefully will stretch on for years and years. And thank you so much for introducing me to the movie. Um, I would say that this movie has definitely influenced pop culture. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. They need to re-release that for the younger kids to watch now, man. Yeah. Just almost as like a history movie so they can go back and see. It should be mandatory to watch if you want to do comedy so you can you can see. Yeah, structure. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just so you can see where, how we got to where we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And if um, definitely I think if anybody that's like starting filmmaking or wants to get into it, I think this is definitely a, a movie they should watch for at least motivation. Oh, yeah. Um, to show that like, well, a million dollars is a is I don't know. Is that a great budget? That well, means, now it, it would be still even now though with inflation or whatever. It's still not going to be the movies they're making now. A hundred million dollar movies. That's and stuff. very true. I mean, yeah. I'm recording on my phone, so I don't know why I said a million. But anyway, it's a great uh, motivational uh, to see if you're a filmmaker, and also just a great movie to watch. Um, one through ten, what would you give this movie? Oh, that's a ten for me. I, yeah, is it? Ten for me also, guys. Um, thank you so much for introducing me to the movie. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say to your fans? No, man. I just, uh, as far as comedy movies, man, I'd say it, I'd probably, if I had five top comedy movies, this is, this is one of them in no specific order. Nice, nice. But definitely it's a, uh, it's a, must, a must-see movie if, you, if you're really into the history of, of comedy, especially sketch comedy nice. like that. Would you be interested in the future to come back and like we'll review one of the other movies you like? Oh, yeah. Cool. Sure. Thank you so much. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much for watching the movie review and have an amazing day.